You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I'm Danny, and I help connect businesses with top tech talent. And today, I'm your host. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Um, I'd like to say a massive thank you to everyone for joining me today. Um, we're going to be discussing creating a culture to attract and retain top talent. Um, joined by a fantastic panel, and I'd like to kick off the podcast by asking you who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about. Um, I'm happy to go first. So I'm Danny. I'm part of Evolution's team of recruitment consultants. I specialize in recruiting contract DevOps and cloud engineers in Sydney. Um, I'm particularly passionate about helping teams scale up and grow during big digital transformation stages. Um, Juan Juan, would you like to kick things off for us? Thanks, Danny. Hi, everyone. My name is Juan Juan. I'm the CTO and the board director at Superovious. Yeah, I used to work at many different sites of companies. So my recent experience is at Safety Culture and Alassian. So being part of those high growth unicorn actually have been is the growth, the pitfall, and the success story. So now it's time for me to join an even earlier stage startup and build my own. So super obvious, it is an ethical investing and saving app that with the mission to use investing to change the world. The, the startup is still an earlier stage. At the same time, the team is very, very ambitious. We want to be the number one app when people think about investing. So our dream are big, but for us to build the best product, we want the top talent on both. I believe that that will be things that we're going to talk about today. Absolutely, that's brilliant. Um, George, do you want to go next for me, please? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm George Wright. I am an engineering manager for data at Nine. Um, my responsibilities are around audience analytics, uh, data, interpreting data, looking at product performance, uh, particularly of our publishing sites, which are Cinema and Herald, The Age, Nine.com.au, uh, and I'm even starting to look at sites like Nine now, which is very exciting to get into the more of the television, the streaming and catch up services. So my, my interest here is um, around, you know, Nine is a big, well-known brand and um, we want um, to know how to get people in. Fantastic. All right, Kieran, over to you, mate. Yeah, uh, I'm Kieran. Hello, everyone. Um, so I moved to Sydney about 10 years ago from much sunnier shores in Ireland. Um, and since I've been here, I've worked at a, a bunch of different Australian companies from Qantas to Commonwealth Bank. But uh, recently, uh, two years ago, joined Atlassian. Um, so at Atlassian, I've had a couple of roles. Um, initially joined to look after the cloud team, so all of the cloud infrastructure teams that support Confluence and Jira and all of our products. Um, and now I lead a team called Team Data, which has um, three main focus areas. We look after core infrastructure, so all of our data platforms that, again, Atlassian products are built on top of, so all of our storage. Um, we also look after all of our analytical applications, so things like streaming, ETL, data warehousing, machine learning, stuff like that. And then we've got other areas that look like look at like measurement and personalization and how we target customers and measure success and feature rollouts and stuff like that. Um, I guess what I'm passionate about, um, I'm passionate about sport, but I know this isn't a podcast about sport. So. <laughs> Um, I'd love to talk about sport, but there you go. Another topic. Um, no, I'm, I'm really passionate about like teams, and I think that kind of comes from a sporting background. I used to play a lot of sport 
relatively high level failed sporting careers all over the place <laughs> um but yeah I, I like teams like i like growing teams i like seeing people grow and i think that's always been an interest of mine um and then i get excited about hard problems and big scale tech that is difficult to manage and creates challenges so um there's obviously heaps of growth at that last thing so it's a good place to do some of that but yeah i'm excited to talk about talent and yeah where we're going and obviously got some different experience especially from juan juan who's who's been at Atlassian before so <laughs> it'll be interesting insights here for sure yeah hopefully not too com too many conflicted opinions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um all right okay that takes us on to the first kind of topic um which is going to be identifying top talents um i know Juan, you had a few kind of points that you'd like to discuss around that if you want to kick us off yeah yeah it's very interesting when we talk about top talent because many different companies may see it a little bit differently so actually one thing that we need to ask ourselves first is like how do we identify top talents so that will be a very very good question to ask ourselves before we hire we call top talents so to me is that a lot of times that will help us to really understand whether that person are top talents or not so the first question could be say oh are they actually better than me not necessarily that everything better than me because they need to be like something that really good so that they can fill the gap in the team, something that they're really good at. So the first question, are they better than me? And then second question is that, are they a culture at? Do they make the team better? If it's only one plus one equal two, may not be the top talent yet. If that person can make the team become one plus one larger than two, probably that will be a really, really good passion, really good person to have in the team. And then the, the next question I would like to ask, it is that will we feel lost or feel even scary if that person joined our competitor's company? You know, if that question is yes, then probably you need to thinking about, okay, how we try to get that person, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's where those will be a very basic question and general question can ask to apply to a lot of company to identify some of those top talents. At the same time to how to attract those top talents, very interesting that a lot of times they'll be talking about, okay, let's give them a lot of money. Let's give them like the biggest title ever. <laughs> a lot of times that the top talents that the, they, the title and the status and also the money as not the, the solo thing they're looking for. Most top talents, they are really self-driven. The reason that they're really good because that they know what they're looking for in their life. They have something they really want to fight for. So it's very important to sell them their dreams we're trying to build in the company to thinking about or foresee themselves that what kind of impact they can make in a company, what kind of career paths they can go on to in a few years time, what kind of people they will want, they will, they will become in a few years time in a company. And also at the same time, top talents attract top talents. So if we get the right people in the team, will be much, much easier to check other top talent in the team as well. At the same time, when we're talking about painting dreams, when we talk about painting dreams, that painting dream is not the reason that we underpay top talents. So we definitely need to thinking about how to pay them competitive salary and make sure they feel value themselves. Fantastic. It's definitely a very meaty way to, to start off the discussion. Um, obviously, lots of different factors to consider there. Um, George, have you got any kind of input into identifying that top talent? Um, 
they're all really good points. I definitely agree with the idea of you're trying to you're trying to hire to replace yourself to some degree. So you want to at least get people who are as good or even exceed you in in areas. You're also trying to you're also trying to um, fill gaps, right? Like it is, it's very true. One plus one equals more than two. Um, but there's lots of different ways of thinking about that. I think um, there's a great there's a great saying that I, I like to I heard once, which is you can't average you can't average out to excellence. You really want to keep raising the bar every time. But I think it comes down to also the definition of what is a top talent. Um, I think every organisation probably has slightly different views of that. The questions that I start asking are around um, you know what attracts them. I'm going to use nine as an example. Why come to nine? Or any other Atlassian or that. So, um, you know, what are their motivations? Um, is it some people are motivated by, you know, the career step up? Some people are motivated because um, they agree with the goals or the aims of the company. Um, some people are motivated by other social goods, like, you know, they want to save lives or they want to change the world. Um, and sometimes you get people who are great at executing code and flawlessly and you know really good in all those areas but they actually disagree with the goals of your company so um you know um so it it, it swings around about sometimes yeah kieran do you want to add anything off the back of off the back of that yeah i think um some stuff i picked up on uh, for me like culture and values and Alaskan's pretty vocal in their values um what we have like that's a huge part for me i think um you can you can be the greatest talent in the room in terms of coding ability or technical ability but you've got to fit the values and the culture of the team um and that's certainly a big focus i put on it and an area that i sort of building teams for me is important it's not just looking at um at talent gaps it's it's looking at the team fit and and what you need and and what i mean by that is like what backgrounds are important, what types of diversity that you need and what, what sort of culture you're looking to drive in the team. And so I, I think for me, it's it's a huge part is thinking about what kind of balance you're looking for and what type of skill sets and people. So um, it's, you know, I, I would say we we try and hire, hire people that will, will fit the Atlassian mold and, and that's that's been really successful. I think in terms of identifying top talent, um, you know markets are more and more and more competitive so it becomes more and more challenging to to touch on i think some of the points that were made um yeah like areas that have been really successful for me in my career have been internship programs and and graduates and you know even recently at last you know i've been to some of our presentations that our interns have done within the team i look after and, and it's incredible and that that's where we find top talent and being able to invest in i mean i meant to call it Early, early talent or talent that's early on in their career is is huge and I think you can you know given the world is getting more competitive and, and remote working and, and many sort of challenges we all face with recruitment and growth um, a, a big focus on keeping retaining people and growing them to be top talent so I think for us it's it's obviously a huge part about recruitment but it's it's we do a lot of talent mapping internally and we've got quite a active and rigorous promotion process as well. And the huge part of that is around identifying talent internally and growing that to become our top talent. So that's definitely a big focus for me. Do you find that your retention is a lot stronger once they've kind of come through some of those graduate programs? That you've actually invested in them from the beginning of their career all the way up? Do you find that they tend to be retained for a little bit longer than, you know, somebody coming in at the, the kind of top end of the scale? Um... I don't have the numbers or anything or the facts off the top of my head, so I'm certainly not going to quote anything. Um, but looking at uh, 
you know what we have we we've definitely got there's there's people if i look at the tenure of people in Alaskan, you can see some that have come through grad programs that are here six seven eight years so um i don't know the exact numbers of, of what we're looking at but across the board there's certainly a, a massive amount of people who have, have come in and have grown through Atlassian and gone right up through the leadership chain as well which is really really good to see brilliant that's really nice to hear um and then in terms of what actually attracts that initial talent so i know one of george's points was kind of the motivators behind that so you know what are talent's big reasons for joining or applying the company in the first place um and what actually makes them look elsewhere once they are all settled in george do you want to add some context to that for us yeah i've worked with a lot of people some some people are very uh they're keen on joining because um that's it's the best thing at the, that time if you know what i mean but they're not necessarily they're 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 shotgunning out um who like to all these different companies and then i've i've met other people and worked with other people that specifically targeted you know because they wanted to work in media or they wanted to work in uh, a particular industry or in a particular technology so i think um it's really important when you do get someone in the room and you're trying to work out um are they suitable is what what was their reason for applying in the first place is it, are they looking for a particular level in the organization are they looking for a certain salary range uh you know they're about to go trying to get a mortgage in sydney which is tough at the best of times um and you know this is the job that they this is the path they see for that so all these are valid reasons there's no there's no um there's no right or wrong answer but you've got to i think be aware if that you can sustain that motivation so part of you can you can create all the right um hire the right people for the wrong reasons um and then they will stay until they get enticed away um and we want to try to find out what their motive is um amazing and juan juan do you want to kind of add something off the back of that in terms of what do you think attracts that kind of top talent initially yeah attracting top talent is very very interesting because right now the market is very crazy right now so pretty much all those good talents that we trying to give offer to they usually have about three to four offers in their hands it's very very common so at that point it's really like thinking about ourselves upfront to thinking about what kind of thing actually tell us apart from all the other competitors that is also hiring in the market right now. So the team is definitely need to prepare something that really good pitch onto the top talents and also making sure that they have a very enjoyable interview process because that is this first impression they have with the company. And also at the same time that sometimes ourselves also need to be really flexible for those top talent as well. If, for example, that person already have three or four offers in hand, so we just thinking about accelerate some interview process. So we just like pick and choose those most important interview, just go through them instead of waiting for a long time and respond to them. You know, so all those things that stuff for us turn into sync very quickly when we try to attract those top talents. Yeah, there's definitely some really good points there, um, Karen. Yeah, I think um, attracting top talent, like uh, more and more seeing a part of it is about um, the role and the opportunity. 
and through the interview process, it's it's more and more about making exciting opportunities. Um, I'm seeing more and more that top talent is is going to want to know what they're working at, what the scale is, what's the future growth of the particular platform or product or program, um, what's their role going to be within that team, uh, potentially talking about levels of autonomy that they might have, how they're going to input the strategy. So I think um, definitely seeing that a big focus in attracting top talent now is, is creating roles that are exciting and creating sort of internal opportunities that are going to you know, get people excited and get them really wanting to work on something. Uh, just some some of the other points as well. I, I think interview experience is is huge now. Like it's with the competitive market, um, not to plug, but like that was one of the reasons I joined at Lasting was just like a good interview experience. And, and it really makes a difference. I've had friends interviewing recently at, at various places. And and one of the reasons people are joining now is because of good interview experience. It's It's meeting with people that you know, share your values and get you excited and give you an insight into the company. It's, you know, quick process getting through uh, the speed of that. It, I think they're massive factors. And when it is such a competitive market, it, it, it really makes sense. Um, especially in the, you know, in the remote world where we only have that kind of couple of phone calls, sort of Zoom or uh, integration to talk to people. But yeah, I, I think the opportunity is becoming more and more important. And I think the remote world has changed that a lot um, because it's less about the actually the food benefits and the software benefits. People just want to work on cool things. And, and that's a big part of talent, I think. Um, you know, it's it, I suppose you get you go through those high, those high and low periods where um, we've come out of a period where uh, we used to rely on people just throwing themselves at us. Um, and now we've actually got to go out and we've got to be the ones to say, hey, look at look at us. This is what we can do for you. Um, and that, that is a mindset change. Um, I think uh, for people who haven't recently gone out and um, actually gone through an interview process, like I, it took me, I mean, I've been with the company for a while now, so I haven't had to, to do that. But when recently when I have gone out and started looking again, everything has changed. Um, you're now competing. Um, you're com not just selling yourself. You're actually got to get that right fit. The other thing too, a question I've got for the panel here is around, um, you know, the idea of testing, like technical tests and all that sort of stuff. Some of these processes can add days to it. And I just don't see the appetite anymore. As much as we would go, I'd we love to have a whiteboard session with you and let's do it all that. I've had some real... Um, um, I've had some people just go, yeah, it's not worth my time to spend an hour um, uh, whiteboarding with you when I've got so many other offers on the table. So uh, I'm interested to know if, if anyone else has, has seen that or how have they, how do they challenge that or is the, the tech test now something that's a luxury? Yeah, I definitely received those requests before. So like I joined many community panels in there and then some of the people when they look for a job, they just specifically ask, oh, do you know any company that do not require to do coding test? <laughs> so those become very interesting because right now that when people have so many opportunity, they become like their markets to actually select, pick and choose the company that they want to join. 
So they will not be willing to actually spend like hours of time to prepare, or maybe some of the coding tests that take home tests for you to mention about two hours, like, oh, you just take two hours to finish those tests, those tests, but it never two hours. <laughs> it yeah. never two hours, you know? So you end up spending a lot of time onto those uh, take home tests. So probably the, the better trend for that is actually sometimes they're doing the whiteboarding that is more, more or less taking the time that to see how that person um, communication is, do they actually have a clear mindset about explaining what they're trying to do? And um, have they thinking about educators? Is had a solution thinking about the performance and this kind of thing. So those things that probably only spending time on the interview itself, maybe an hour instead of taking hours of hours of after work. Kieran, anything to, to add to that? Is, you know, um, is the technical redundant? Yeah, I, I I definitely know that some people are, are reluctant to do it, but uh, I don't I don't think it's redundant quite yet. Like we we've got an interview process that we follow in Atlassian and coding tests and technical interviews are, are a big part of that. Um, I think it ties into stuff I said earlier about cultures and value and stuff. I, I mean, we expect people that we hire to be at a, at a similar technical level. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's actually part of your team. What we don't want is to hire someone that doesn't do a coding test and then potentially the other team are going to have to pick up that weight. So unfortunately um, for some people, I'd say it's a, it's a necessary evil. Um, maybe, maybe we'll get away from it in the future, but I'm not quite sure it's dead yet. Interesting. And um, kind of moving on now to kind of retaining that top talent. Um, Juan Juan's kind of subtopic was, you know, clear expectations and regular performance review. Do you want to kind of go into that in a little bit more detail for us? Yeah, a lot of times that top talents, they will, because they are self-driven, they want to see themselves grow at some stage. And also they want to see the things that they're doing was valued by the company. So if we have those like really structured rewarding process, so those people, at least they don't feel like, oh my God, that person is worse than me. Why he, what the hell, why he got promotion? I'm not, you know? So those, those would be the phrase that you suddenly lost top talent because they don't feel they are value. And then they, know, they don't know what's going wrong in there. They're not the person get promotion. You know, that's why they're setting the clear expectation and regular performance review become very important. The clear expectation is more about in different level, you really understand, okay, what it takes you to get to mid-level, what it takes you to get to um, to a senior level, what it takes you to become a staff level. Those level, not sorry, checkbox exercise. They are a high-level expectation to let you understand what does it look like when you become a mid-level, what's the expectation for you. And then you will need to present those attributes for a period of time before you can get the promotion. So all those things you need to set up front. This is very good things that communicate to them so that they don't know that, oh, I do this one, one time, check. You know, it's like, why am I not promoted? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's why setting the clear expectation, clear expectation is very important. At the same time, doing the regular performance review, a lot of companies that are doing once a year, or maybe some company doing well do half a year. But when we be talking about performance review, not necessarily the most formal one. It could be like through one ones. It could be through casual check. Just through doing all those regular exercise about talking about, oh, how you're doing? Um, that you're meeting expectation. If you want to grow, what kind of thing you need to do? You know, so what you, 
what I, my observation it is your past performances. So that once they have those regular uh, performance review, regular feedback, they can grow better. They can, they have a mentorship. You know, people that even though they're self-driven, they still require mentorship. As a manager, that is very, very important for us to help them to grow instead of just like, oh, grow yourself. <laughs> so so that's, those are very important. So that's why that having a right rewarding process, the clear expectation, regular performance review will help them to set them a better place. They will know how they're doing. Have you found that more difficult with people working remotely, trying to have those one-on-one -on -one catch ups and you know, kind of monitoring people in their kind of personal state as well? At the beginning I do, because usually the better have one one with them, I, I do a lot of walking one one because I found that when you do walking, your your body is in more relaxed stage. You can talk a lot more personal stuff, talk a, more, a lot more about how you feel about the company, the team, and things like that. Brilliant. George, you got any comments to add off the back of one ones? I I 100% agree that being clear and transparent and being consistent is very important. Um, I think that's that we should be trying to provide structure and letting people find out how they can navigate that structure. I am not so I, I am a little bit wary though of formalizing things too much because once I start hearing things like development plans and and all that, I start feeling that that creates an expectation or a promise. Um, and you can create a really awesome development plan for someone and the opportunity never arises and then it becomes actually a, a, a point of contention. So for me, I, I don't know, I think it's good to have, for people that want a development plan, for people that want to, to know what to do next, um, I think you need to be ready to provide that. Um, I'm not, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm a little bit wary of getting too formal, um, but I do agree that having a clear matrix, what what these different roles are, what they mean, what good looks like. Um, I think you've got to be a bit flexible, but overall consistency, uh, I think, matters a lot. You want to be fair and consistent. Brilliant. Karen? A lot, a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, I think probably the only thing I'd add is, um, I think perform performance and promotion aren't always the same thing. And what I mean by that, like yeah. someone's performance is something that you assess based on, on what they're doing. But I think promotion is related to needing to have clear roles and accountabilities. And, and you know, it's not you, you can be an amazing performer, but the expectations of a different role. So I think just making that differentiation is, is really important. Um, and, and I think that goes to having very clear role profiles as, as you move up through different levels and roles and um, just trying not to make performance all about promotion. Um, they're intertwined, of course, but I think it's really important to understand that different roles will have different expectations and potentially um, maybe the scope isn't there and actually understanding all of the things that go into a promotion or a different level is really important. I think the biggest thing in um, certainly kind of promotion and performance for me is, is just around like transparency as well. And when you've got a clear process in an organization, it, it, it kind of gets rid of the ambiguity of it and allows people to understand what they need to do and that it, there's a process and in Atlassian we have performance or sorry promo panels and those promo panels are well understood and people understand what goes into that and 
prognosis are assessed in that. So I think it 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 takes um I guess takes some of the personal bias out of it as well. I've, I've worked in places where I think promotion can be linked to uh, bias or potentially single relationships, and that's not good for the company as well. So I think um, having a transparent promotion performance structure is really good. Yeah, yeah. actually some part of this talking actually re really resonate with me because a lot of top talents that they are really self-driven because a lot of times that is for us to really provide them the support. Because really depend because that is really about the conditional management, right? Some people they, they will need more support than the others, but some people it is really a matter of time that for you to provide them the stage and the light for them to dance. Yeah, I like that a lot. Provide them the stage and the lights and they can dance. Um, yeah. So kind of moving on to the next point that Kieran raised, it was how has remote working affected your ability to build culture and retain top talent? Do you want to kind of give a bit of insight into that one? Yeah, um, I asked the question because obviously it's a very topical point at the moment. I don't think there's any. I don't know, will this podcast go out now in the future and do we have to explain what's happening in the world? <laughs> then we might have to. Yeah. Like sci-fi <laughs> moment or something. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's kind of interesting times at the moment, but I, I'm curious from the panel of what the, what impact I think remote working has had on the ability to, to specifically kind of recruit top talent. Just just speaking from my experience in this in this space, of course it was challenging initially and we all went through changes to Zoom interviewing and sending laptops as opposed to picking up and all of the craziness that went with sudden sudden adaptation. But the area I wanted to focus on was what opportunities is it created? And I, I think for me, the, the, the access to a more um, globally distributed set of talent has, has been incredible. Like that's one of, been one of the kind of shining lights of remote working. And even just looking within my team and looking just across the water. New Zealand has been this whole new area of talent for us. We, we did recruit there before, but I think this has just made that whole process so much easier and allowing us to look at um, folks just, just across the water. And, and that, that goes for all of the regions we operate in, but um, sort of some of the examples that we've been able to access talent. And I think for, for folks remote working as well in, in regions that maybe don't have as bubbling a tech hub as maybe Sydney does in other areas. The opportunity to work for, I'm gonna say Atlassian, but a company like Atlassian from a geo where that might've not been a possibility before is really, really attractive to talent too. Um, you know, previously we're talking about relocations and moves with family and to not have to have that conversation. One, it makes the onboarding process a lot easier, but it also gives people this whole new level of flexibility. So that's that's been the most exciting thing for me and and what has otherwise been a crazy, pretty dark period. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to kind of add any comments onto that? I think our remote working is a, a topic that we could spend the rest of the session talking about, <laughs> yeah. like the positives and the negatives, because they def it's definitely a mixed bag. Um, but I, what we did was we implemented um, a stand down at the end of every day. So we'd do the normal stand up ritual to get, you know, 
we actually even able to move it earlier in the day. So instead of it being like at half past nine, we said, let's start at 9am on the dot. Um, and people got used to that because there's less travel time and, you know, would say bring your breakfast, you know, to stand up type of thing. But um, the, the stand down just became that let's actually put a cap on the end of the working day and just sit around and chat. It doesn't have to be about work. Um, we discovered all these sort of virtual board game sites and, um, you know, we started talking about TV shows. And it was, the idea was to create that sort of water cooler um, sort of sensation um, of being able to just, you know, shoot the breeze. But um, and what we found was um, if we didn't do that, people just keep working <laughs> and you'd, you'd, you'd be online at sort of 9.30 just checking your email and you, the, the entire team was still sort of working. Um, and sometimes that's a good thing in small bursts, but you, you need to sort of help balance that out. And I think that's part of, um, I, I, in a lot of uh, very like top talent, they sometimes have a problem with learning when to stop um and um and then when to rejuvenate and when to engage with different groups and all that and i think some people saw the um you know the isolation of working remotely as an excuse to sort of slack off but others actually saw it as an excuse to work more um and both of those extreme sorry both of those extremes are, are not good so it's about how do you sort of bring balance back in overall i think I think people survived pretty well. I mean, I'm pretty happy to see how resilient, um, you know, the tech community became um, with each other and other team members and and all that. And I think uh, everyone should give themselves a pat on the back for surviving that. Yeah, definitely. I think we came out fairly unscathed. <laughs> um, well, I'm interested to hear your kind of thoughts on this as well. Yeah. Uh it's definitely become a new norms, but I'm actually interested to throw in some of the questions to the team because in my past few experience, it's very difficult to actually um, get the team to do something out of the work to do, like not out of work, like working hours, but do something non-related to work. Sometimes it's difficult. You know, we can try like team session, we try morning virtual coffee, but you can see the audience at the beginning could be a lot of people and then slowly that because it's optional, right? People starting to, oh, not coming anymore, not coming anymore. And then, oh, no one coming anymore. So how do you, how do you all solve those problems? Uh, I can, I can start. I think, um, again, yeah, everyone's kind of bounced around over the last two years of like, zoom quizzes and then when it opened again everyone furiously met everyone they ever met no for coffee and stuff but uh i i i think that the area that i've tried to focus on with the teams is i i guess making it really clear that it's it's absolutely a personal choice and no one should feel any pressure to do anything in person or in public and and that's been really important for us so just giving people the autonomy and the freedom to decide how they want to socialize or if they want to socialize has been important because when you get to too much like okay everyone should come and meet like this you get some folks who aren't comfortable who can get the fear of missing out which which is a real thing so for us um the big focus has been on kind of creating an environment where people feel comfortable to you know stand up to their leader or whatever that may be to say you know hey i'm not comfortable meeting in public or i'd like to do a zoom thing today and 
and that's been a big focus of Alassian's remote work is, is giving people the autonomy to choose how they want to work. Um, there's, there's, for me, there's just no right answer. I, I, it, it's, I don't think telling people how to work in the current state is, is the right thing to do for us. It's just been about giving them the choice. For some people, for some people, um, it actually unlocked an, a different type of person in them. So for people who were used to sort of getting home and the, their kids have already sort of done their homework and already eaten and they're just coming home, they were now starting to eat with their kids and do their homework with them. And that brought out a certain joy. Um, of course, there's the uh, flip side of having to, you know, when they was homeschooling and, and having to make the kids do their their homework. But um, for, for other people who are like single, they had different challenges and it was... So I, I definitely felt that in, in my team, um, the the single people or the people who didn't have a, many home commitments probably felt um, that lack of sort of in-person a lot more. Um, but I, I actually started being quite anti-working from home and now I'm actually really struggling to go back into the office. Um, because I found that my new routine working from home actually has really enabled me to revisit some hobbies. I've done a lot more home maintenance and I haven't actually reduced my hours of working. I just find my time is being now spent more constructively. And I realized that there was a lot of dead time between meetings. You'd go, you'd go to a meeting that might have ended 10 minutes early and the next meet, your next meeting started in 10 minutes and you go, okay, I'll just check my emails. But um, now it's like, oh, I've got another meeting starting in 10 minutes. I'm going to go and do a load of dishes or I'm going to go and prepare dinner. And then in the evening, I'll go now, I'll, I'll actually sit down and check my emails and, and I'll consider it more. So I felt my time was being spread out more in my favour. But how do you get that? That's not going to suit every person in the team. And I think that's the challenge of finding that balance. Yeah, George, you got to teach me how to make dinner in 10 minutes. I would love to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, uh, I see one. Yeah, cool. George, you go. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, <laughs> I said preparing dinner, not making yeah. dinner. <laughs> Yeah, at the same time, I think something, one of the benefits of working remotely, it is actually you get to know that person a little bit more in the family. So, for example, like some people may have kids, sometimes they may carry the kids together, and then when they have meeting, and something, sometimes you say, hey, say hi to their pets, and they yeah. go to meet their pets. So, it was interesting. Yeah. I've, um, I've got a pet who's now got a emoji on Slack of his face. So, for me, that's like, <laughs> to know you so like anytime he comes up a little emoji of his face comes up on slack that's definitely I, I love that that's great <laughs> amazing i think this uh, topic's obviously i could probably do a whole series just around this topic i think there's so much more that we um <laughs> that we, could, we could talk about this in various different areas um i think it's probably all we've got time for thank you guys so much for, for meeting with me and i'm uh, looking forward to catching up with you all soon